0: I couldn't last falling apart And you could've run away Leaving me there in my shame Leaving me fighting my pain I'm Until you still- It's no.
1: to see Too sorry.
2: Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? Great. All right. Glad to have you with us today. Uh, I've got good, good news for you. Good news number one, Jesus is alive. That's the greatest news of all. And we're going to see today Jesus coming back for his people and what glorious news that means for us. Uh, good news. Good news number two, a lot of you have a three-day weekend. Congratulations. Yeah, excited for that. Good news number three, college football is back. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Unless you're an ECU or App State fan, that was brutal. I apologize. Those were heartbreaking. But we're so glad that you're here today. I want to start off today reading the scripture for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. So, In Matthew chapter 6, this is what's called the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is giving us a model for prayer. And I want you to see how Jesus is teaching us to pray and how it lines up with what we're going to see today in the book of Revelation. All right, as we end up our sermon on the, our series on the story and see how the story ends in the Bible, I want you to see how Jesus already has his eyes on this as he's teaching you how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He says, One of the first. First thing he does in verse 9 is tell us to focus our hearts on God, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First kind of push in prayer what we're pushing into, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's going to come a day where Jesus comes back to earth, and his will will be totally and going p- completely accomplish on earth. All wickedness all wickedness will be destroyed and all righteousness will reign. That day is coming. We praise Him for that, and we look with longing expectation for it. But He tells us to pray that we'll start to experience a glimpse of that right here. We don't have to just wait. We can experience some of that. It'll be a taste. It'll be a small part. It won't be in completion, but we can pray to experience Beginnings of that right here and now. Asking God that His kingdom would come and His will will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for me and and I just want to begin here. For you in your own personal life, is the kingdom of God reigning? I want you just to begin our time worshiping together here today asking God to speak to you and to reveal in you any areas of life that may not line up with his full rule and reign here on earth is there anything that you're seeking to run in rebellion against the king any ways that you're seeking to kind of build up your own little kingdom i pray that you'll just lay your heart before the lord and say god i trust you i love you i know you're gentle and you're good Show me today the areas of my life that are not lined up in submission to your rule and your reign and your kingdom, alive and active in me. God, I pray that you will do this. And this is going to be good. I'm excited for what you're going to show me. The areas of my heart and life that aren't fully in submission to you. And they're there. I know that they are. So I pray, God, that you'll show us. And we're excited for that because at the end of the day, as lovers of Jesus, we just want to be more like you, Jesus. So it's a good thing when you show us the places in our life that's not. That's a good thing. So show us today. We submit ourselves to you and your kingdom, your rule and your reign. And we pray today, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, let's stand together, guys. Let's worship Jesus.
3: I see
4: Father, my greatest desire right now, here in this moment, is that we would see you in a greater and a more magnificent light. God, I feel I, I pray that your Holy Spirit is free to move. That as we as we bow before you our lives, that you would lift the name of your Son Christ up and you would save those that are lost. You would bring home the prodigal children and that you would cause us to worship you in ways that we simply can't do on our own. No man-made program, no perfect song, no perfect sermon, none of that is anything worthwhile apart from the saving grace and the working of the Spirit of Christ. Have your way in this room right now. Change our hearts. Let us see you in all your glory so that we may fall down on our knees and worship you. In Christ's name, amen.
2: As we, at, as we transition our time, I want us to, we keep that as our thought. Again, the scripture that I read earlier to you, Matthew chapter six, verse ten. Jesus praying, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And then, boy, all of our songs just talking about the. Glory of God, the praise of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, the authority of God, ruling and reigning in our lives here on this earth, bringing life to dead things, bringing newness out of what is old and busted and ragged and broken. Again, before we jump into our time in the Word together, I want us to to focus our hearts here one more time. I'm asking you to bow your heads for me. And it, And I want to give you just a moment just to sit before the Lord in this again. When we talk about praying for the kingdom of God to come and rule and reign in our lives, in our homes, in our places of work, in our communities, we are asking God to do what only He can do, to make all things new. And there's going to come a day, we'll see, where that is in fullness and completion. But we can begin to see that now. I mean, the Bible describes your salvation as taking what is old and making it new and a new creation. Being born again. This is what God does right here, right now, today. Making you new. So just sit here before the Lord and just just rest and meditate and just ask God to bring to fruition in your life this truth that he's seeking to make you new. Are there aspects of part of your life that you're not walking out that newness? There are, because there is in me and all of us until we're face-to-face with Christ. We're all going to be growing and maturing and being sanctified. So ask God to show you where those are and set those before him in submission. Your great and glorious plan, as we look and see how you are promised to bring all things to fruition and bring all of these things to completion. I pray, God, today that we would submit ourselves before you. We are laying ourselves down and saying, God, I, I give myself to you completely. As we sang songs here just a few moments ago about God and His throne, and His glory, and His majesty, and His authority. Have you truly laid every aspect of your life down before and said, God, you can do with me anything you want, anytime you want, anyhow, any, any way you want. I'm just yours. I pray, God, for those areas of our lives that we are holding on to. That we are not freely surrendering. I pray by your grace you'll show us that. You are going to powerfully and at the same time gently draw us to repentance and confession. Cut those out of our hearts and let us walk in full and complete newness. Do this in us today. God, we need this for your glory. Do this, God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen amen hey if you have a bible let's find the book of revelation together all right revelation uh you can start in verse 9 uh, chapter 19 we'll 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 get there but find the book of revelation if you're new to church you don't know where revelation is it's the very end all right so just go to the back um you'll find an index and some maps go to the left and you'll find the book of revelation chapter 19 so so today we finish a series We're called the story and the idea behind this series is to give us the big overarching story of the Bible, right? We love the Bible here. Uh, We believe that it is the inerrant and infallible word of God. We believe that it is given to us by God uh, that we would know him and be able to have a relationship with him and worship him and live for his glory. However, it is possible for you to believe that about the Bible and at the same time not necessarily allow the Bible to do its good and perfect work in you because we misunderstand what the Bible is doing. And so what we've said here um, over the last few months going through this series is oftentimes people view the Bible like a medicine cabinet, right? Everybody's got some kind of medicine cabinet or drawer. Uh, my, so my grandfather, he's uh, going on to be with the Lord now. Um, uh, he, um, it, my entire life, he was granddaddy cuz, Like cousin, short for cuz, because everybody called him cuz, and so he was granddad cuz, right? And so, um, and so my granddad, so he was, um, he's an interesting fellow. He um, uh, carried a pistol with him everywhere, which isn't unusual, except he had a walker, and and, and he would keep his pistol and a hammer and a pouch in the front of um, of his uh, walker, right? And he would use this to uh to get down the road um and um and, and so i guess the pistol was there and hammer for like hand-to-hand combat or something i don't know but but whenever he would travel what he would do is he had all of this medicine in a drawer and he would just take the drawer out put the drawer in his car and just drive wherever he was. that's how he packed his medicine he would just carry literally his medicine drawer with him everywhere so maybe you have a medicine drawer that's currently with you right now i have no idea but you have an issue. And what do you do? You go to the medicine cabinet or your medicine drawer sitting beside you, and you get what's what, what ails what's wrong with you, right? And so sometimes we view the Bible like this. Um, I'm having trouble with fear. Let me find a verse on fear. I'm having trouble with. Uh, um, this particular, say, let me find a verse on that. Worry, let me find a verse on that. And that's not bad, it's just incomplete. The, The Bible isn't meant to be just your spiritual medicine cabinet where you go to and get the thing that you think you need to fix the problem you think you have. Oftentimes in your medicine cabinet, what's in there isn't necessarily to fix a particular underlying issue, it's to solve your symptoms. And we treat the Bible the same way. We just go to it as... A place to find a spiritual pill to fix whatever symptom we think is ailing us without allowing God to do the the deeper work on the bottom. Or we'll use the Bible like, um, how many times have you heard this? The Bible is a roadmap for your life, which isn't necessarily wrong. That's true. The Bible talks about the Bible being a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. However, we, we sometimes simply just use it as a directional guide. Go right here, go left here. But what we've been trying to tell you, and I told you this at the very beginning, here's the big idea that I've been wanting you to understand throughout this series. The Bible is not primarily a roadmap for your life. The Bible is a neon sign that points to Jesus. And as you see who Jesus is, and you have faith and trust in Jesus, he then empowers you and changes you and makes you new. The point of the Bible is to push you to Christ. Right, And so we've been seeing this all throughout the story. The Bible starts with God, right, and God creates. He creates Adam and Eve for the purpose of having relationship with him and knowing him and loving him and walking with him and blessing him and serving him, worshiping him. But Adam and Eve, sin, they chose to go their own way and depend on their own strength. And as a result of that, humanity fell, right? It says Genesis 3. We don't even get hardly a page and a half into the story, and the wheels have fallen off. And then the entire rest of the Bible is about God seeking to redeem and save his people. We've told you this the whole time, right? The point of the Bible is basically to fix what went wrong in Genesis 3. That's the whole point of everything. And we're going to see that come into fruition today. Genesis 1 and 2, God creates. Genesis 3, sin comes in, blows it up. But that's not, God's not up in heaven going, oh, me, what do I do? How do I think God has a perfect, foreordained plan? So the rest of the Bible is accomplishing that. Even as God is kicking Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, he's telling them, look, this isn't the end. Right? A, 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 a son is going to be born, and this son is going to end the curse and crush and destroy Satan. So then you fast forward a little bit. We meet this couple named Abraham and Sarah. They are old. They are pagan idol worshipers they are not lovers of god they are lost people right they're old they're lost they're barren they have no kids and god comes to this old barren idol worshiping pagan named abraham and says i'm gonna use that guy and the point of it all is supposed to be he's not the guy you'd pick but he takes abraham says abraham and sarah i'm going to miraculously give you a child and that child is going to have a child who has a child who has a child and that indeed happens and eventually those kids become the nation of israel and god is going to bless the world and bring a savior through this little nation israel however there's a problem you get to the book of exodus and they end up in slavery they're not a great nation they're slaves they can't bring forth a savior they can't even save themselves But all of this is the story that God is unfolding, and he delivers them from slavery, gives them land. says, here's your land I'm going to give you, and I want you to know me and love me and worship me. Here are laws I want you to keep so that we can have a relationship. When you break those laws, here are sacrifices I want you to offer to make us right for forgiveness He gives them a temple for them to make those sacrifices he gives them a king to watch over and love them and lead them to holiness but in spite of all of this in spite of the the land and the promises and the covenants and the sacrifices and the temple and the king in spite all of that they just keep messing up they just keep sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and eventually it comes to the point where god says i can't Bear with this any longer. I have to discipline you. I've got to kick you out of the land that I gave you and send you off into exile. But even as he's kicking his people, Israel, out of their land that he gave them, just like with Adam and Eve, when he's kicking them out of the garden, he still gives them a promise. When he's kicking Israel out of the promised land, he gives them a promise. This is not the end. I promise you a Savior is going to come. And it may not look like it now, but a Savior is coming. The Savior that was promised to Eve and Abraham, the Savior is coming. And even though you've sinned and rebelled and you're in in slavery and now in captivity and all this is going on, I promise you a Savior is coming. And with that, the Old Testament ends. And the point of the Old Testament is not to just teach you history. And the point of the Old Testament is not just to teach you moral lessons. The point of the Old Testament is to show you, you need a savior. Right? You need someone to save you. Just like Israel. Let's be honest. You keep messing up. Right? You keep sinning. You try hard. You work hard. But you just keep falling. You just keep stumbling that one thing that you promised you'd never do again you did it again the point of the old testament is to show you just like israel could not be good and they needed someone to save them save them from their sin save them from god's wrath save them from satan save them from themselves you need that too so then the new testament comes and shows us that savior is jesus jesus comes And he is the one promised who obeys God perfectly and then dies on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin and victoriously rises again and then ascends up into heaven, sends his spirit down into us, puts us together in a church so that we can know one another and love one another and help one another follow and pursue Jesus, and then gives us the mission to go take that message to the ends of the earth so that other people can know and love Jesus and be changed by Jesus and be disciples of Jesus And that's ultimately where the story is right now. You are right now sitting in the story of God. We can, throughout, if if we were to have a big giant chart and we would chart the storyline of God, we could X, you are here. You are in the story of God. You are in the place called, the, um, uh, depending on how you were these things and what sort of theological box you throw things in, right? We are in a certain the church dispensation. We are under the covenant of grace, the new covenant. Wherever you call that, you can say, you are here, like at the mall. Check, check. You're here. You are in the part of the story that we are seeking to expand the kingdom of God on earth, tell more people, see it go to the ends of the earth, see more people know Jesus, love Jesus, be changed by Jesus, the church advance, you are here. However, what we want to see today is the story doesn't end here. The story keeps going. And as the story keeps going, we see something glorious. As we go to the book of Revelation, we see God has the end in mind. And this is huge what I want us to see is God is not doing things random. Like, he's literally told us how the story's going to end. I, I, I know we, we, we fret about how's this going to work and how's that going to work and what's going to happen in my life, and I don't know all the details of your life, but what we do know, and the reason God gives us this, is even though our individual lives, we may not know exactly what tomorrow is going to hold, we do know what the future is in Christ. And so, regardless of what this world looks like, we can say, but I know, I know how the story's going to end. Now, when it comes to the book of Revelation, when it comes to the end times, the big word is eschatology, the study of the end, end times. Well-meaning, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians disagree. Right? Is it gonna look like this? Is it gonna look like that? Is this gonna happen? Is that gonna happen? Right? Is it pre-millennial, post-millennial, all millennial? Is there a rapture? And if it is, is it pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation? Is it this? Is it that? Is Oprah the Antichrist? Right? We're trying to figure it out. And, and while good, well-meaning, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians disagree, and that's fine, there'll be disagreements in this room about how practically everything works out. But usually within bible-believing evangelical christianity we're we're disagreeing sort of an intramural debate on uh you know timelines and this and that but most bible-believing christians we have two main truths that guide the whole thing and that's just what i want to focus on all right the two big ideas at the end of the story that drive everything number one jesus is going to return and number two God is going to make all things new. These are the two main truths that drive everything. Jesus is going to return, and God is going to make all things new. So let's look at those two real quick. First, Jesus is going to return. So if you have a Bible, Revelation chapter 19, pick it up in verse 11. All right? Revelation 19 Verse 11, we'll have it up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Jesus is going to come back and look at the way this thing happens. Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. It's like crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. There's, a, there's, a, there's an aspect of Christ that no one can truly know. Right? He's God. Right? You're never going to fully know him. There's, he has a name. He has a truth, an essence about him that no one can really fathom other than God himself. Verse 13. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. He has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is going to return. And there are two big things I want you to notice about Jesus coming back here. Number one is this. Jesus is going. There are two big things that, that, again, we can disagree on this and this and this and this and this. But there are two big ideas when it comes to Jesus coming back. Every Bible-believing Christian has to say yes to. Number one, Jesus is going to physically literally return all right physically literally coming back just like jesus physically literally was born of the virgin mary and he physically literally lived on earth he 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 ate he drank he got hungry he got tired he physically literally lived on earth he physically literally died on the cross he physically literally was buried in the grave then he physically, literally came back to life and came out of the grave. Then he physically, literally ascended up into heaven. Are you sensing a theme? And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and there will come a day where he will physically, literally return to earth. This is not spiritual. This is not a just sort of a, A a metaphysical idea we believe in an actual literal savior king who will actually literally return to earth to get his people and destroy all wickedness which brings me to my second point that i want you to see about jesus returning jesus when he comes back the second time looks a lot different than when he came the first time i want you to see that that's important when Jesus came the first time, he was meek, mild, humble Jesus. Right? Little little baby Jesus. Jesus that was spat upon and mocked and ridiculed. The Jesus that had his own brothers think he was a fool. The Jesus who was arrested and beat and stripped naked and nailed to a piece of wood like an animal, was murdered. That Jesus is going to look very different when he comes back. He came first time meek and mild Jesus. He comes back victorious warrior king Jesus. He comes back ultimate fighting Jesus. Right? I mean, look at Revelation 19. He's got a sword coming out of his mouth. He's got a tattoo down his leg. He's dipped in the blood of his enemies. It describes it as a wine press. So what's a wine press? So think about um, how they would make wine, right? Um, And and some uh, uh, companies still do it like this. It's authentic um, and it's gross. But they would have grapes, right? And so what do you do? You get barefoot, you get in there, you're, you're stomping on these grapes. And as you stomp on the grapes, you crush the grapes, and the juice from the grapes right, comes out, and that's how they make wine. That's how Jesus is describing how he's going to crush his enemies. He's going to pop them like a grape, and their blood is going to flow like a river. He, and if you were to keep reading, we stopped. If you were to keep reading on verses 17 and following, Before he goes into battle, he calls the birds of the sky to gather so that they can feast off the dead bodies he's about to slaughter. This Jesus looks different. I want you, yes, to see meek and mild, humble Jesus that laid himself down so that you can live. And I also want you to see victorious king jesus that can look it is his world he created it and one day he's going to come back and take it by force he's not asking please and he's crushing anyone that thinks they can stand in his way like a grape this is jesus when we sing and worship jesus you're worshiping that jesus Yes, we praise him for his sacrifice that makes all of this possible. And we praise him that he is not hanging on a cross. He is sitting on a throne. And one day he's coming back on a horse. And he is crushing anyone who dare thinks they can stand in his way. And he's doing that to get you. He's coming for you. And he's going to destroy everything work of wickedness that has ever sought to stand in his way or in your way jesus is physically literally returning and he is physically literally coming back as a warrior king and the blood of his enemies will run in the streets i i I think it's important to 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 this camp here just for a minute specifically for guys can we just chat this guys for a second So many of the worship songs as guys feel like we're singing prom songs to Jesus. Right? Like, he's my my baby. I love him. It's like, you just, I don't know. And I know some of the imagery of the Bible, like we're called the bride of Christ. It's like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, like I know that's good and praise him for that. And I get, I understand doctrinally why that's a big deal. And it feels weird. All at the same time, I think it's important for us as as men to see who Jesus is. Crush his enemies. That is your king. Worship and follow your king. Worship and follow your king. And the second, so that's one is this. Jesus is going to come back. Second big idea, all Christians are going to agree on is this God is going to make all things new. So we see this in chapter 21. So if you're in Revelation, look at chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. In verse 5, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And then the end of verse 5 there, also he said, Write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God is making all things new. As you see there, in chapter 21, he's rolling away, he's, he's dissolving, he's burning up. Several times you'll see in the scriptures what, what remains of this earth and this sky and these heavens. He's taking away everything that was stained by sin, and he's bringing down a new heaven and a new earth. This has always been the plan of God. It's always been the plan of God. Again, I want you to see the full story, right? So we begin in Genesis. First two chapters of Genesis... So it's really neat. It's kind of a bookend of the Bible. The first three chapters of Genesis and the last three chapters of Revelation kind of serve as mirror bookends, right? So Genesis 1 and 2, what happens? God creates. He's creating his heaven. He's creating his earth. He's creating his people. He's filling it with his people so that he can have communion and relationship with his people. Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3, Satan shows up and destroys everything. And then I told you. The entire rest of the Bible is about God making that right. right? Everything is pointing to that. Everything is pointing to our Savior, our Redeemer, who will save us and make that right. So the first three chapters, first two, God creates. Third, Satan messes it up. Go to the end of the Bible, the last three chapters Nine, uh, uh, um, 20, 21, and 22. Gen- uh, Revelation 20, Satan is destroyed. 21 and 22, God is creating a new heaven and a new earth so that he can fill his people with it and be with them forever. It's absolute mirror flipped, right? First two chapters, God creates. Third chapter, Satan messes it up. Go to the end, third from the end, God destroys Satan like he promised he would in Genesis chapter three. In the last two chapters, he's recreating, making a new heaven and a new earth for his people to dwell. This has always been the plan of God desiring to be with his people, dwell with his people. As you look at Revelation 21, it's just describing heaven. The most important thing about heaven, I want you to see this. I know we can study the book of Revelation and get all excited about streets of gold and gates of pearl and grandma's going to be there, and that's awesome. I'm excited about that. But I want you to see in Revelation 21, the most important thing about heaven is that God is there. God is there. The whole point is you are now able to dwell with God. And yes, he wipes away your tears, and there's no more death, and no more pain, and no more sorrow, and no more sin. And the reason all that is true is because you're standing in the presence of God. That's the point. All the other things are possible because God is there. Everything has been about this. The reason Jesus came and died on the cross for your sin is to take away what separated you from God because God wanted to be with you. The reason he fills you with his spirit at the moment of salvation is because God desires to be with you. And he's doing all that, pointing you to a greater truth that one day you're going to live with him forever. It cracks me up. People are like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, did Adam have a belly button? No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to get to heaven. You're going to see God face to face. And you're going to spend the first 10 billion years just doing this. And after about 10 billion years of just looking in the face of God, maybe you'll get to blink. We, I'm going to blow my time. I've got I to quit. But anyway, what this shows us is, we need brothers and sisters a deeper knowledge and revelation and spiritual eyes opening of how glorious and amazing god is the reason we have to make stuff up to get excited about heaven is because we're not excited about god I, I just won't be happy unless so-and-so's there i just well what are we gonna do right i mean we're we just gonna sit around with diapers and play harps all day mean, like, what Is my pet going to be there? I mean, it's just not heaven if Fluffy's not there. And the reason that we have to say things like that, quite honestly, and I, and I understand we're, we're on this side of it, and we're trying to grasp it, we're trying to figure it out, and I know I understand. I understand. But at the end of the day, the reason that we have to grasp for those straws is because we're not enamored with God. We don't see. God, for who God is, and we can't wait for the day that we just get to be with him forever. So my big push would be dive in to God so that you become excited about God and in love with God and overflowing with joy for God so that you can't wait to be face-to-face just with God. Jesus is going to come back. God's going to make all things new. And in that, real quick, there are a lot of things that that come as a result of that. A lot of, uh, since that's true, then this. But I just want to highlight three real quick for you, okay? Three things that should be true of us because we now know and see the end of the story, all right? So one is this. The end of the story should change the way we live. The point is, since you see the end, it should change the way you live today. All right. So, uh, if you have a Bible, um, First Second uh, Peter uh, chapter three. I want to read to you Second Peter three. You can turn there, or we'll have it up on the screen. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight. 2 Peter 3, 8. So I'm going to read down through about verse 14. So listen to how Peter is weaving in what's going to happen and how that should affect how you live today. All right? That's that's what Peter's trying to get at. Verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness? That's the question, right? Waiting and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. And look at verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. The idea he's trying to get at is this. There's going to come a day where we know the end is going to come. This world is going to burn. It is going to dissolve. And everything that we've invested in this earth is going to burn with it. Since we know the end, and we know in the end there are only a couple things that last forever. God and his people. That's it. God and his people. And if those are the only things that will last into eternity, how are you investing in those things now? It's all that's going to last. Seeing the end affects how you live today. It affects you in sin. Are you really going to give your heart to that when you know what the end is going to be? Are you really going to do that? It affects how we handle strife and difficulty and pain and hardship. Yes, you may go through a a very painful thing as we experience strife and pain. Loved ones who pass away, horrible, gut-wrenching things that make us cry. That's why God says there's going to come a day where he's going to wipe away our tears because we've gone through things that make us cry. But knowing there's going to come a day where he's going to do that changes the way I grieve. Yes, I'm sad. And I'm heartbroken, but I know there's going to come a day where I'm going to be face-to-face with God forever. And he's going to wipe away every tear I've ever cried. And he's going to take care of me. And all the pain and all the sin and all the sorrow and all the hurt and all the death and all the anguish, it's going to be gone forever. Forever. It changes. Seeing the end changes the way we live today. Um. Rick Warren, pastor, um, Saddleback Church, uh, in fact, I think today's his last day. He's retiring. Um, in his book, The Purpose-Driven Life, in sort of the introduction of that book, he gives a really great illustration. He says, if your life from your birth all through eternity, right, you're being born all the way through your physical death, all the way through eternity with God, if that was a book, Your life on earth isn't even the first page. It's barely that first title page. That's all your life on earth. As long as it is, maybe you get 70, 80, 90, 100 years, at best, you're just the title page. The real life, eternity, is everything else. The whole point of this life the whole point of this life on earth is not to make money it's not to have a family it's not to be happy it's not to find your purpose the point of this life is to glorify God and get you ready for heaven that's it that's the whole purpose that's it your time on this earth no matter how short or long it might be it only exists To glorify God and get you ready to be with God forever. That's all this is for. It's just the title page at best. And the problem, though, is when we spend all of our time and energy and effort focusing just on that front page. Look at everything we're ignoring. Seeing the end for what it really is changes the way we live here on earth do you live with the end in view do you live with the end in view Uh, second thing is this the end of the story should make us serious about the gospel um jump back over to revelation chapter 20 revelation 20 verse 11 Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. As we think about the end of the story, as we think about Jesus coming back, there's, there's sort of a flip side of the coin. When Jesus comes back, one of the things that's going to happen is sin is going to be shown for what it really is. When Jesus comes back and he is sitting on his great and glorious throne, no one is going to be able to call sin a mistake. No one is going to be able to call sin a habit. No one's going to be able to blame their mom and dad. No one is going to be able to consider sin as no big deal When we're standing before Jesus, all sin will be seen for what it is. A great affront and offense to a holy God. And the right judgment for that sin will be eternity in hell. It is described here as the lake of fire. You jump in a lake and you're consumed by it describes hell as a lake of fire. This future awaits everyone who has not joined themselves by faith to Christ. Everyone. So seeing that the story ends like this changes the way we live when it comes to the gospel. Are there people in your life who need to hear the truth of the gospel? There are people around the world and unreached people groups who need to hear the gospel. What about you? Have you truly joined yourself to faith in Christ? There will come a day where telling God how good you tried to live isn't going to work. Telling God that you came to church or that you got baptized when you were seven isn't going to work. Have you joined yourself by faith to Jesus? Have you been forgiven and made new by Christ? There will come a day where no one will be able to hide. No one can hide. Have you trusted by faith in Christ? Have you trusted by faith in Christ? And and last is this. I'm going to ask our band to come up. And I want you to go to the very last verse of the Bible. Genesis chapter 22. Verses 20 and 21. Third thing I want you to see, and it wraps it all up. The end of the story shows us that everything truly is about Jesus. The Bible ends for us waiting for Jesus. Revelation 22, verses uh, 20 and 21. He who testified to these things says... Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. As you read through the book of Revelation, it's easy to get sidetracked. The book of Revelation, as you read those 22 chapters, 45 times in Revelation, we see a picture of Jesus on a throne. 22 chapters, Forty-five times. Jesus on a throne. He, through his throne, all authority and judgment and rule flows. And then all worship and glory and honor flows back to him on his throne. The point of revelation, I want you to hear me. The point of revelation is not a tribulation the point of revelation is not a rapture the point of revelation is not what does that seal mean the point of revelation is jesus is king he is king and he sits in authority and power alone and he is worthy of glory and praise and honor alone and one day that will be very clear and obvious to every person who's ever breathed air. Philippians says there will come a day where every one of us, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that means people who are living and people who are used to live and people who haven't lived yet, we will all bow our knee before Jesus because he is king. So my question for you this morning is this. As we wrap up this series, seeing the entire Bible is ultimately about Jesus... What about your life? Is your life ultimately about Jesus? The entire Bible is a neon sign pointing you to Jesus. Are you living your life truly as Jesus on the throne? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. And I want to pray for us. And, And as we end our time here this morning... Um, we're, I'm not going to ask you to stand and sing. I want you to just kind of just sit and ponder as the band plays. And they're going to they're sing over us this song speaking of the fact that, that all of life is about this great commission. Living for God's glory. Living for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ and His gospel. Is this your life? Have you repented of your sin and trust by faith in Jesus? Are you living all of life as Jesus on the throne of your heart? Are you seeking actively for the kingdom of God to come and reign in your life every day? Everything is ultimately just about Jesus. Is that true of your life also? And do you seek to live your life for his glory and his glory alone? waiting longingly for the day where you get to just be with him forever. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you love us enough to show us the end of the story. We thank you you love us enough to give us this so that we can live for your glory. So I ask you today, God, that you would show us this, open our spiritual eyes to see you for who you are, We would live in total submission to you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.
3: to believe i have
1: faith you will do greater
3: things it's my time to go but before i leave go tell the world about me i was dead but now
2: If you're a guest with us today, just welcome. Thank you so much for being here worshiping with us. We'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is just to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. We'd love to connect with you and minister to you in the best way possible, so thank you so much for that. Uh, Next, um, we've got our uh, three big announcements we want to let everyone know about, what's going on. And before we do that... Going into our announcements, um, we've got uh, a play. Do we have a video? Yes, I'd like for you to watch this video.
0: Hey,
4: Sam,
2: what are you doing? Hey, Gary, how's it going? I'm putting up my Christmas tree. In the middle of August... It is never too early to put up Christmas decorations or to sing Christmas carols or to send Christmas cards or to go Christmas okay, shopping. Okay, 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 I get
4: it. It's still summer though. Christmas is 4 more months away.
2: Christmas is all year, Gary. Okay? Besides, the church is getting ready to start auditions for the Christmas play. So that just proves that it's not too early to put up Christmas decorations. Christmas auditions, Christmas play. What, do they need actors and stagehands and things like that? Exactly, and they're going to need visuals,
4: musicians, tech, (laughs) beatboxers. Hold up, you said beatboxers. Oh, yeah. They need beatboxers for the Christmas play? What are they doing? Christmas in Hollis? What we're practicing for the auditions. Oh yeah, sweet tart and diggity dod in the house! Hey! Uh, no, 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 we're not having we're not having beatboxing in the Christmas party. Oh, come on. <laughs> what? But, why? No, we need everything else you guys were talking about. We need singers, we need um, visuals and musicians, but no beatboxing. That's why we're having auditions. Oh, hold up! Sam, did you hear that? Auditions! He's saying there's a chance. Yeah, baby! If you're interested in being a part of this year's Christmas play, please text the word PLAY to 910-424-1298 to get signed up. Please sign up.
2: and you wonder what we do at the office all day. So, <laughs> Christmas play, all right? So if you're interested in that, you can text the word PLAY to sign up and hear more about that. Also, next, breakfast. We've got two opportunities for breakfast for our guys and our ladies. Men's breakfast is going to be September 10th. Guys, you can text BACON to sign up for that. Ladies, you're going to be the Saturday after that, September 17th at 9. You can text breakfast to sign up for yours, and then lastly, new members class. We have a new members class coming up September 18th, September 25th, October 2nd. It's all one class, three weeks in a row. You can sign up for that by texting MEMBER to our number at 910-424-1298. And for everything else, all your other announcements, you can download our app, iTunes or Google Play. You can give online through the app, or you can give in the giving boxes as you leave whatever works best for you guys. All right. Hey, let me pray for you, and uh, I'll let you go. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you tell us the end, that we know what's going to happen, that we know that you rule, King Jesus. Thank you. We ask you, Jesus, that you would rule and reign in our hearts right now today. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great day.